take a, a relaxed uh, approach to this tonight and um, going to open up and share with you and we're going to be ready for the Holy Spirit to break in at any particular moment. Now, I'm not just going to say that to you and drop a hint to the Holy Spirit. I'm going to talk to Jesus directly about that here and now. Are you with me? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we really do know that you are the healer and that your name carries healing power. We ask that you would minister the revelation of that name to our hearts and minds, that we could place Jesus Christ, the healer, in his proper place, to look to him to demonstrate his word, his power, and his authority. And at any moment, Lord Jesus, you step in, in this meeting tonight, and you do what only you can do. Amen. Exodus chapter 15 and verse 26. If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in His sight, give ear to His commandments and keep all His statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. This is the revelation that God gave Israel. The first revelation concerning His name after they left the land of Egypt. I want you to picture it. Moses had gone in declaring the power of the name Yahweh. I am that I am. And in that name, Moses performed amazing miracles. Miracles of judgment on the gods of Egypt. Every one of the miracles was a manifestation of God's supremacy over false gods. They worshipped the Lord of the flies. They worshipped the locusts. They worshipped the serpents. They worshipped the Nile. And in every one of the miracles in which God demonstrated His mighty name, it was a demonstration of God's power over the power of the enemy. And the final plague, which was the plague of the firstborn, was God's deliverance of His people out of that nation. And God said, I want you to understand that I am a mighty God. I'm not a God to be trifled with or played with. I am the Holy One. I am the Lord. And right now, you might be running scared. But I want to tell you this. I will make a difference between you and those who do not know me and do not accept me. I will not put any of those diseases upon you. Stay close to me. For I am the Lord who heals you. Now, I think this is amazing because this is 
the definitive understanding, the foundational understanding of Israel's God and the revelation of God to His people, that first revelation was, I am the God who heals you. And I want you to understand this healing has got to come back into the center place of the ministry of the church of Jesus Christ. And this statement from Exodus is similar, to my mind, to the statement of Jesus that Luke projects at the, as the manifesto of Jesus' ministry. In the Gospel of Luke, in the synagogue there in Nazareth, Jesus reads from the book of Isaiah and speaks about the anointing of God upon him. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach, to heal, and to deliver, to summarize that particular passage. And this is at the head of the manifesto promise of God concerning the kingdom. When we turn to the New Testament, we see that Jesus not only made that proclamation, but immediately demonstrated the healing power of God. We have to understand the core value of healing, that our God is a healing God. Now, many people have put off the topic because they've seen all kinds of hype and, and, and all kinds of exaggeration and, and, and so on. And, and also there is that thorny question as to why doesn't everybody get healed. I mean, that's the most astonishing thing when we see God's healing power as to why not everybody gets healed. And, and that still remains a mystery. And uh, in this book, I spent a lot of time to show that healing in this life is but a sign of the manifestation of healing which is to come. In other words, there will be no more sickness in our resurrection bodies, and every healing miracle is a signpost which, and a beginning of something that will be completed on resurrection day. So we know that we have a lot to look forward to, and, and we can preach on that, maybe I will, but I'm also interested in saying, what about faith that lays hold of God's tomorrow promise and see a touch of healing now. For if the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, He shall on that day quicken your mortal body, but we can have a touch of that resurrection power in our body now. Not in fullness, but we can have a touch and a taste of that. And I think that all that God has for us is going to take all of our lives to explore. So don't worry about what's to come and think, well, I'll have to wait to heaven. That for heaven, there's a lot that God will give you now. But I want to go way back into the Old Testament today to Genesis chapter 20. And um, we could have easily spent some time in some New Testament passages. But I've chosen this for a very special reason. In Exodus chapter, sorry, I keep saying Exodus, Genesis chapter 20, we have the first recorded healing in the Bible. The first recorded healing. And because it is the first recorded healing, like everything that when you first read about it, the first mention of something in the Bible often is very significant, particularly in the book of Genesis which is the book of beginnings, the book of foundations. And so when we read this healing story, we're going to learn a great deal about this character of our healing God, whose nature is to heal. And so let's read a few verses anyway. Really, the whole chapter is relevant, and maybe you will read the rest of it at home when you get home tonight. But let's read from verse 1, Genesis 20. And Abraham journeyed 
from there to the south and dwelt between Kadesh and Shur and stayed in Gerar. Now Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she's my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Indeed, you're a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. But Abimelech had not come near her, and he said, Lord, you will slay a righteous nation also. Did he not say to me, she is my sister? And she even, she herself said, he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands, I've done this. And God said to him in a dream, yes, I know you did this in the integrity of your heart. For I also withheld you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now, restore the man's wife for he is a prophet, and he will pray for you, and you shall live. But if you do not restore her, know that you shall surely die, you and all who are yours. Strange Old Testament story. And there are a couple of similar accounts on occasions when Abraham wouldn't tell the truth about who his wife was. He thought that uh, if he did that, Somebody would steal her. So he said, she's my sister. Well, in one way, there was some truth to this distant relationship. But here's a man of God, the man of faith, the man of whom we are called to walk, in whose footsteps we are called to walk, was a liar. But God had a covenant. And he said, I'm not going to let any harm come. In fact, because somebody's stolen your wife, even though he didn't know it was your wife because you lied about it, I'm going to deal with that, with that person. And what had happened was that God had closed all the wounds in Abimelech's household. He was a, a Philistine king, and um, God said... I'm going to deal strongly with you. Thank God we're under the protection of the grace of Jesus. Isn't it interesting? Abimelech did something almost in ignorance. And he gets whacked for it. And Abraham, who told a lie, God kind of sticks up for. Isn't God wonderful? Now, don't take this to mean that you can do what you like. Just take this to mean that God can use you in the healing ministry. Even if you yourself aren't perfect. Now, there isn't anybody perfect. You know, one, of the, one of the things that I find when I travel is that the biggest blockage to the move of the Holy Spirit is legalism. Legalism. Because when we are trying to earn our blessing, even in this area of healing. If we try to say, well, you know, I've got to deserve this healing. I've got to live up to this standard before God will heal me. You've missed it because it all comes by grace. But grace is not an excuse for sin. 
or a reason to sin. Grace is the biggest reason not to sin. All I can do is thank you. We were singing it. What does that mean? Is it just say, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus? No, it's the gratitude of a life poured out in loving service and submission to God and surrender. But I emphasize Abraham's weakness tonight so that you and I know that when God moves in your life, it's according to His grace, His favor, His mercy, and the merits of Jesus and the authority of His name, it is not about us. Praise God for that. So now, the healing of Abimelech and his household from impotence and barrenness. Read the whole passage in the context. You'll pick that up. And as it's the first specific example of a healing miracle, I believe it lays down principles which are repeated throughout Scripture. First principle I want you to see is that Abraham was God's partner in healing. In fact, the whole of this book is an appeal to you to partner with God in His healing ministry. And you can partner with God. It's not just for the great men and women of God who've got a mighty healing ministry. It's about people who know who God is and can lay hold of Him because they know Him by name. Abraham was God's partner. In healing. And working with God and partnering with God is the secret of all ministry, cooperating with the Holy Spirit. And for this, we need a, an understanding of what it means to hear God and listen to the Holy Spirit. We can call this prophetic dimension. And look in verse 7. God speaks to Bimelech in a dream and says, Restore the man's wife, for he is a prophet. And he will pray for you, and you shall live. Wow! Abraham is called a prophet and therefore was called to do two things. Number one, intercede. Number two, pray for the sick. You see, the prophetic ministry in the Old Testament was a signpost to the prophethood of all believers that we experience in the New Testament. In Old Testament times, if you needed a word from the Lord, you had to go to a prophet. Because you couldn't hear God for yourself. That's not like that today. If you need a word from God, ask Him. Go directly to Him. Prophetic ministry is about confirming what God has said to you, usually. And if it's a new revelation, often it's to help you think about it and pray about it. So it's a ministry of confirmation. And also prophetic ministry is a ministry of teaching you how to hear God for yourself. So all these people who say, I'm deaf, I'm calling, God, uh, calling God's messenger, I need a word from God, I need a word from God. And the prophet, if he's worth his salt, would say, let me teach you how to hear God for yourself. Amen. Because the Holy Spirit, the spirit of prophecy, lives in all of us. And if we're going to move and minister in the miraculous, we need to know how to hear God. Jesus modeled this ministry himself. Jesus said, the Son can do nothing of Himself. Nothing. He doesn't originate anything. He doesn't initiate anything. The Son who, who exhibits this submission to the Father was always saying, Father, what would you have me do? Father, what would you have me say? And I believe it was almost like this. Every day, the Father showed Jesus His agenda for that day. And Jesus was led 
by the Holy Spirit. How else can we explain when Jesus visited the equivalent of an ancient hospital, the pool of Bethesda? And there were many, many sick there. One man, however, received his healing. Why? Because that's whom the Father showed Jesus to heal that day. God's timing, God's will, God's word, and God's way all flow in the relationship with the Holy Spirit. And that is the secret of flowing in the miraculous. We learned that many, many years ago. We learned that principle, that the way to move in miraculous power is to understand what God is doing and to get in on what God is doing, hear from Him and obey Him, follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so, this is the first time the Bible mentions healing and a prophet. And interesting, in the same context. So, Genesis chapter 20 establishes the biblical link between, number one, prophetic activity, number two, intercession, and number three, miraculous healing. So, this tells us if we want to move in the miraculous and get to know the God who heals then we must learn to hear His voice, number one. Number two, to turn that prophetic revelation into intercession. And I'm so glad that God is stirring us up again here in Kensington Temple, the early morning prayer meetings, intercession, the prayer diary that the team have pulled together, excellent prayer diary, pointing you in the direction of daily intercessory praying. And I know that we're hearing from God, we're praying, and so what's going to happen next? Signs and wonders and miracles. Amen and amen. Can I have a faith amen in the house? So the prophets were above all things intercessors. He is a prophet and he will pray for you. He is a prophet and he's going to see a miracle come into your life. And by virtue of their special anointing, they had access into God's presence, access to the face of God. And that was essential in those days. And so for us today, the Holy Spirit lives in all our hearts as believers. And when we're baptized into the Holy Spirit, He dwells in fullness with us. We should be at the forefront of intercessory ministry and at the forefront of miraculous healing ministry. The next thing I want you to understand is that this happened in a man who was weak. I know I've said it once, and I think it's worth coming back to. Thank God that God uses weak vessels. I'll tell you something. One of the big puzzles in Christian life and ministry is to see how God uses people who we wouldn't touch with a barge pole. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, people whose weaknesses are par paraded all over the internet. And yet God is blessing them and using them. Is that an excuse for their weaknesses? Not at all. Not at all. Benny Hinn. Bless Benny Hinn. God, thank you, Jesus. He saw sense and remarried his wife. Like one time he came to London and said, I'm free, I'm free. I'm finally free from my wife. And every stupid charismatic applauded. What is the matter with charismaniacs and Pentecostals? Reinhard Bunke got a hold of him. I know the inside story. Ran a bongi and said, Brother Benny, you go back and marry your wife. Not marry a wife, marry your wife. So Benny repented and was restored. Hallelujah! Why, why are we not shouting about that? All the critics 
were ready to slate him when he was going stupid. Now he's got his sense back. Let's thank God for what God is doing in the lives of his servants today. Give Jesus a big praise. Thank you, Lord. Amen. But what amazed me, that even in stupidity, and I'm, that's just, I don't want to, let's, let's leave him on one side. What about your stupidity? What about my stupidness? You know, when, when you're looking for a miracle, the devil will show you a thousand reasons why God shouldn't do it. Because you don't deserve it. Now, it's not an excuse to be, you know, careless and spiritually lazy and to live in sin. But I tell you something, we will never, ever rise to the level at which we deserve one thing from God. Never. It's all by His grace. And repentance in the context of healing is preparing us for the mind of Christ and for the revelation of who He is. And God's will and power are revealed. I also want to um, emphasize that this principle is extraordinary. The first healing miracle was to an unbeliever. An unbeliever. It tells us a lot. It tells us that God's healing covenant is not just with His people and for His people. Abimelech was one of the first Philistine rulers who later on came to symbolize the enemies of God, a pagan king. And this tells us why the promises have come to us. They have come to us that we should minister them to a broken, hurting world. So we could say that the first miracle of healing was an evangelistic miracle. Amen. That's why so often the greatest miracles are seen in an evangelistic context. So we should be seeing the greatest miracles, not just in a wonderful church service full of wonderful Bible-believing Christians, God's love, His people. Healing is for the bread, is the bread of the children of the kingdom of God. Amen. It's part of our covenant. Amen. It's our birthright. It's our blood-bought birthright. So lay hold of it. Praise God. Praise God. But when we step out and pray for the sick in the streets, in the hospitals, in the homes, God alone knows the miracles that will follow because He is a healing God. Now, for Abimelech, this healing was a sign that God had forgiven him. Can you see that? God said, yeah, I know you did this with integrity. That's why I didn't let you go too far. But restore him, restore his wife to him, or you're a dead man. You got it? And the affliction was lifted. When the affliction was lifted, Abimelech could say, wow, thank God that's over with. God has forgiven me. Do you see that? There's a link between forgiveness and healing. This is, comes out clearly in, in the Gospels when Jesus said to the, to the man who was paralyzed, your sins are forgiven. They came for healing, and he said, your sins are forgiven. And they said, who are you to say that this man's sins are forgiven? Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus said, I know what you're thinking, but I want to ask you a question. Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or rise up and walk? Then he said this, that you may know 
that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins. I say to you, rise up and walk. And immediately the man was healed. Healing testifies to God's power to forgive sins. In an evangelistic context, many of you will know, have been with me on some of the great missions we've done in different parts of the world. My, my message is usually simply this. Jesus forgives every sin and Jesus heals every sickness. Forgiveness and healing. Because healing points to forgiveness. Both flow from the cross. Healing comes through the cross. Forgiveness is in the cross. Healing flows from the cross to our lives. Other thing I want you to notice is that this miracle, something happened uh, I, uh, very clearly at the moment of prayer, but it would have taken a little while before people understood that God had answered prayer. Because when somebody's healed of barrenness, there's a process that has to take place. And this is important to understand that I believe that at the moment of the, of the discharge of faith and power, something happens. Something happens inside that person. They are healed on the inside. Something is imparted. And very often we see immediate visible results. Very often. But we can't always lay a lot of store by that. I don't know if you've seen many times and people have testified. We pray for people and sometimes something looks like it's happening and then later on they're not so sure. Sometimes it looks like nothing's happening and later on they discover they are healed. I remember once when we first opened our live link, not to um, Coronet, but to Porchester Hall. And uh, I looked down to the ca camera lens and I saw a lady in the spirit a deaf la a lady with problem with her hearing and and I spoke that word out and and um, you know God is healing you and and uh, we called for a testimony no testimony came what I did not know was that a woman had left that meeting by the time I said there's somebody there in 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 in, in Porchester Hall and when she went outside she was she was quite upset at the noise oh the traffic is very noisy today this is a Sunday afternoon. Traffic is very noisy. And she got irritated, all the noise. And when she got home, she realized why it sounded noisy. God had healed her ears. She hadn't even heard the word. She hadn't even heard the word. Things are happening, people, even though we don't always see or know about it at the time. And when Abraham prayed, at that moment, faith was imparted. The power of God touched that household, and they were healed. But the evidence of the healing took a little longer. And so we know that the Holy Spirit is going to be faithful, and we keep on believing Him and walking with Him, even though there is not always that immediate evidence in our own body. But we do tr train the uh, prayer team and ministry team to check out what's going on inside you. I don't like it when the prayer team pray, Amen, God bless you, next. Pray, man, God bless you, next. No, I don't like that. I like that. What's wrong with you? Is there any pain? Let's pray. Has the pain gone? What do you feel? Go and check it out. Come back and tell us. So that because we expect something to happen. Amen. And, uh, and you can miss it if you're not careful. 
I remember once I was uh, ministering in Kenya, and uh, we had a, a very difficult journey to make uh, up in, in the interior, and we were so late that e- we got there even <laughs> by the time the sun was going down, everybody was going home, and to, to arrive late at a meeting in Africa is a very hard thing to do, because everybody's usually late anyway, but so we were later than late. And this was in a rural community, and sun was going down, everybody was leaving, and we had just a few minutes, and so I got the evangelist out, the evangelist preached, and, and he'd lost all heart, and he said, oh, I'm not going to pray for the sick, you know, everybody's going home, you see, and I said, oh, never mind, never mind, look, you, I, I, I'll pray, and so we had a few minutes, called the sick forward, I ran up and down the line, touching people, be healed in the name of Jesus, be healed in the name of Jesus, be healed in the name of Jesus, it was just, it was just nonsense, really, but what I did not know was that a woman was there with a massive goiter on her neck. And I didn't stop to see, didn't ask, how, oh, I see what's wrong with you. How, what's all oh, okay, let's pray. I just touched her. And apparently, the goiter just fell off, just disappeared. Oh, I didn't see it. I was too busy in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And the next day, we got there very early to make up for being there very late. And this was quite unlike Africa. Everybody else was very, very, very early. We were there hours before the meeting, and so was everybody else. We got to this little crusade ground, and it was full of people. And we said, what's going on? They said, don't you know? The woman was healed last night. That's gone right round the farmland. Everybody's talking about it. And all these people are sick. I said, what? All of them? They said, yes, all of them. All of these people are sick. They've come to be healed. Wonderful. So um, I said, okay. While we're setting up for, the, for all the technicians set up, now I want the Bible school staff, I want the Bible school students, I want the secretary. Now, I want you to walk around. I want you to walk around the crusade ground. I don't know why I asked them to do that. I thought I was playing for time. Walk around and then go and minister. And we went in and ministered to these people. A woman, 70 years of age, born blind, instantly healed. And I mean, you know, this is, this is how not to do it. Because we didn't know what we are doing. We had no interpreters. And only when they came to the platform and told their story did we know what was happening. I remember I was with a couple of team members, and there was a man going like this. So I thought, oh, dear Lord, there's obviously no dentists here. <laughs> so no discernment, no word from the Lord. I just said, oh, dear God, bless this man's teeth. <laughs> I didn't know how else to pray. I mean, we, you know, it was a mess. Everything was so messy. Anyway, when he got to the platform, he testified, deaf and dumb from birth, 40 years of age. At times like that, you realize it ain't anything to do with you. (laughs) It's only God, only God, only God. And so, yeah, we know that we must flow with the Holy Spirit. But at the end of the day, it's His wonderful grace that makes it all happen. And when we see story after story in the Bible of the way in which people are healed from barrenness, and we're going to pray for people tonight who are married and want to conceive and so far have not conceived. We're going to pray for people tonight. If, any, if anybody is here who wants to be prayed for. In the book, I tell the testimony of one of our members who was holding a service in a hospital chapel. 
and uh, praying for people's needs. And somebody was in the chapel service and asked for prayer. He just learned that he and his wife could not have a baby. And the reason was twofold. On the man's side, his sperm count was only 2% of normal. On his wife's side, she had fibroids in her womb and blocked fallopian tubes. Now, that doesn't sound like an easy situation. So one of our church, simple church members prayed with this man in the chapel. Then later on, both of them at home, they did a home visit. Then after a lot of prayer, our church member said, God has shown me that you will conceive within three months. So the time came for the woman to have her operation. And they discovered that the fibroids had gone and the fallopian tubes were no longer blocked. And 10 weeks later, the couple rang up and said, guess what? We're expecting a baby. I don't even know who the name of that person is. I suppose you could go back and find the piece of paper, the testimony. And I'm glad we don't know, in a way. Because it could be you. could be you. It wasn't us. It was a member. Somebody sits there. Not somebody who stands here. One of you. Don't underestimate what God can do for you. When you get to know the healing God and know that it's His pleasure. Can we have the musicians, please? And you get to know that it's His pleasure to heal. Can I have my other microphone, please? When you get to know who He is, when He says, I am the Lord who heals you, He's using the name which is the revelation of who He is in His nature. We all stand in His presence. Can you play something for me? I want you to get this. Don't be distracted now. We're changing position, but we're getting ready. When he says, I am, he's describing his name. And his name is not just a label. It is a handle for us to lay hold of, but it's not just a handle, not just a label. It's a revelation of who he is in his nature. And I, having said to Moses, tell them, I am has sent you. I am the Lord who rescues you from the hands of the Egyptians. I am the Lord who will take you to the promised land. I am the God who will drive out the inhabitants of this land and give you possession. And the first revelation after the Exodus is, I am the God who heals you. The modern-day church, we got to bring the nature of the healing God back into focus. And know that this is not for the fanatics, tele-evangelists, and marginalized ministries. This is right center stage. I am the Lord who heals you.